friends, nerds, countrymen, lend me your ears. I am here to bear the AMTP, not to praise them. Or whatever the hell that organization was that was causing the riot strike. But a deal has been reached. The writers have agreed. The writer's strike is done. The ha-has are back. The money is flowing. <laughs> but the actors, the actors have risen. They shall still strike until their demands are met. And here on episode 343 of the Fake Lid Podcast, while we are so, so glad that the writers are getting what they properly deserve, long live the actor strike. Hot labor summer is not over, especially here in Southern California, because it is October and it's still freaking hot outside. What the damn hell? Hot labor forever. Hot labor forever. I have been the Kaiser. Then the Kaiser nurses just start striking. They did. The Kaiser yeah, workers are striking. Um, if I remember correctly, the auto workers are still on strike. Mm-hmm. Um, a few didn't they just ago, get a deal? Didn't they did just they? get a deal or somebody else? Somebody, I, some other giant, giant strike force just also got a deal. And, but I don't remember because so much has happened at lunch. Which is I know you. I know the UPS workers got a big deal. Yeah, it was yeah. a little while ago now. Though. Yeah. Anyway, Ben introduced. There's us, just sorry. so many strike. Yeah, I am Ben Magnet. I am here with my bros, Brad and T. McClure. Hello, Ryan Eliopoulos. Hot, 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 hot. And we are Sans Sparks Witty today, but he is off doing something or other. I, I honestly, I don't know. I forgot what he had to do. T- I honestly forgot what he had to do today. He's helping, our, he's, he's helping friend of the show, Xander. Yes, he's helping he's friend of the show. Yes, he is up north. All right, cool. Party on, party on Wayne, party on Garth. But the three of us are still here to talk about stuff. Lots of stuff. Well, well, yeah, well. <laughs> Uh, no, we, there isn't that really a lot to do this week. Um, even if there was, um, you know, uh, SAG has still uh, asked us to, um, you know, withhold talking about uh, promoting these these kind of project projects. The look now that the WGA strike is over, there have been a lot of announcements about like you know, writing teams going back to work or even just starting. Like um, a few shows have been renewed and a few shows have been announced, but we're not going to be talking about a lot of that stuff. Uh, but we will be talking about the deal that they received, um, which brings me to the links in our description. Ooh, what's that? As, Ooh, as always, as always, the uh, the strike information is down there. Uh, now with the added bonus of the VFX union petition, um, real quickly, I want to make sure I have the right link down there. Yeah, so it's the petition for the VFX union um, because that's been big talking point recently is get the vfx workers unionized um we'll talk about a little bit about that but the petition to get them unionized is linked below as well as the uh petition for disney the disney animation guild because as we mentioned before bob Iger is not uh acknowledging choosing to acknowledge uh their petition to be part of the union uh the the animation guild specifically so that's linked below please sign both of those petitions um because SAG after SAG after is still on strike, uh, guys, donate if you can. This is you know, lot lot. There's still a, still a fight ahead of them, so please if you can donate. Um, but the WGA has won their strike, and they won really good. Um, so please, uh, I have linked in the description below what they won. Essentially, every everything they won, and it's a we'll talk about it, but it's a good deal. Um, so please check out uh, the description below for more of that information because we're not going to go in detail with it. A lot of it is jargon that I just 
frankly don't understand. Um, but uh, it is there for anyone who wants to take a look. But that said, there are other links in the description, quite a lot, because Guy's Basement Arcade Spooktober is here. Thank yeah. God. Thank the, thank the spooky lords. Basement, 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 basement arcade spooks. I woke up a half hour ago. Um, basement arcade spooktober has arrived in full force because there are there is not one, not two, but five parts. Hold on, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five parts of Dead Space available for your viewing pleasure. Halfway there, almost. It is. Is my... it really halfway? Almost. Almost. Yeah, but it, this is my uh, first time ever playing the game Dead Space. Uh, I know friend of the show, uh, Patrick Brickhouse, over at the Retro uh, Retro Blast podcast. He, Dead Space is one of his favorite games of all time. He just recently got a killer tattoo of it. So I, I have a feeling he's very excited watching me scare the ever crap out of myself. But I have to say, I love this game. I could see nice. why people love this game. This game is so... I mean, yes, it is spooky. But it is really, really fun. It is fun to. Um, it's also just satisfying when you when you get after you get scared by a monster, but you take them down and then you just stomp on them because it's like screw you for scaring me. And, and they usually and they usually throw up items like so you kill someone you stomp on them like hey here's a med pack. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I mean that's like the signal that you know they're like they're dead, dead. But at the same time you back. still get but you still get that um, that satisfying squish noise after you stop when you stop on them so it's um it's therapeutic i would say cool well that's not the only spooktober out there because there are two other spooktobers one of them is dark deception the ps5 demo uh we've put ben through i was a part of that one um uh it was pac-man but with yeah killer monkeys Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, um, like five killer monkey no there's three killer monkeys in a big ass maze and it was first person view so it was mm-hmm. really hard to figure out where i needed to go i mean there was a mini map that helped but oh oh those monkeys i hate those monkeys it's a shorter episode um i, I, I went back and watched that one um but it was the it was really funny because ben like started to get like like he was like determined he's like i'm gonna get these freaking crystals Mm-hmm. One more round. One more round. Mm-hmm. It's it's as scary as those monkeys are. I'm not gonna say they they weren't scary after like the first the first time because yeah they're they're always scary. They're they're giant symbol monkeys with giant jagged teeth and blood on. They're they're absolutely terrifying. But the cool thing about that, even though it is a demo, you do get. It's not that you get mad at the game. You get mad at the fact that you know you can beat this. It's just. Every time that something pops up, you're just like, son of a bitch. The, the, the really fun part was in the beginning when you, when Ben's just like, okay, I got this. I got this. And you're, and you're like, Ben, there's something behind you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That happens. That happened a lot. Um, it was a good, good time. Uh, but uh, it, it's my turn for a spooky game in the next link down below, which is Tall Poppy, which is a game that you already get, you guys already put Ben through. They decided mm-hmm. to put me through it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's I would consider that like like PG scary. It's more like yeah. haha scary as opposed to like I'm gonna murder you scary. Yeah, I had a I had a more tense time than I thought. Well, going back to it, I'm not quite sure why. Like when you're in it, because you kind of you're, you're you're like anticipating scares. Because like I I, yeah. I had no I had no idea what this game was going into it. Um, 
but it, it's it was a good time. I really enjoyed playing that one. Um, it's it's a it's a quick game, and and by the end of it, you're just gonna like oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that was good. But there's more Basement Arcade, guys. You know, I don't stop talking about Basement Arcade because not only is Spooktober going on, uh, but uh, you know, Mortal Kombat 11, two parts, which finishes up the main campaign. Uh, so aftermath will be coming soon. Um, so uh, two parts five and six. Um, great game, guys. Great game. Mortal Kombat 11 is a lot of fun. I'm glad sure. we played it. Me too. Every word. Um, moving on. Animation Station. Yeah, Animation Station released the final. We didn't get a chance to record Last Evolution Kazuna, but we did finish up Digimon Adventure Try, Ben and mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, we um, did. We, we have finished all six parts of Digimon Adventure Try, and the final episode of uh, Digimon Adventure Try Future is in the description below. Um, what a great time that was, Ben. That uh, was. I, I really loved doing that with you. Um, can't wait to get back to it with Kazuna. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, are are those movies a mixed bag of just solid oh. ideas and just not great execution? I don't. There's a there's a plot or there's a point in Last Evolution Kazuna that I really want to talk about, but I'll save it for the animation station episode. Sure. But yeah, you yeah. are 100 percent right that those Digimon films they start off really strong. Like reunion is like the reunions. Reunion is like the episode, the Star Wars episode seven of the Digimon Adventure Tri films, because you know it's the nostalgia bait. You get all the characters back together. It's like, oh, I remember, I remember that. And then they start doing things differently with determination, and then it's like, okay, cool, we're we're on a good roll. And then it's just, eh? well, it's, it's future. I think has a lot of really good things in it, but like, not. To, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it it ends on kind of a wet blanket of an yeah. ending no, it doesn't expo- exactly spoil what it is but there's been for the past three movies they've been introducing they've been engaging in this idea that is kind of this this metatextual digimon idea of king drazel which is mm-hmm. our name for it it's actually yidrasil in um in japan and um it this is a villain from i think ghost game which is the not the most recent digimon series but anyway so like they bring in this villain and so like it's meant and and so like you're like, okay, who's this villain? What's this villain? Because like Ben and I have not continued watching Digimon throughout uh, our, our lives. However, Digimon Adventure Try doesn't give a shit about that. It's like, you either have continued to watch Digimon since Adventure or you haven't. And if you haven't, well, sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a good time. I really enjoyed going through those movies. Look, it's Digimon Adventure. Those are great characters, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, like they are the characters we grew up with um just growing even more so looking forward to finishing off that and then the next movie is coming out this month in japan very excited oh yeah definitely and then finally and uh last but certainly not least in the description below guys of course the fickner the fickner book club archives are up there lots of archives have gone up two weeks full of archives great stuff in the in those archives um I almost mentioned Alien vs. Predator, which isn't one of the great things, but like there's Secret Empire, which is really fun um, in the archive. But Ryan's pick this time with uh, Taskmaster, Task, Taskmaster, the Rubicon Trigger. Yeah. Hey, guys, I picked another Taskmaster book. Uh, hey, it's good. Because that's a cool yeah. character. Dead McKay, great writer. Really liked going through that book, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I, 
really funny. I love. I really like how they, how he writes Taskmaster. All right, but sorry, I'm just turning down the AC. It's getting a little hot. All right, guys, that's all the links in the description. There's plenty of things out. There's plenty of things down there, and there's so much more you can find on this channel if you want to. Um, you guys can check out all sorts of things. Just you know, check them out. We really we work really hard on these guys, and we and we like doing them. Uh, we hope that you guys enjoy doing them as well. Plenty more in the future. So that's that, though. So who wants to go first? Here it is. Who wants to go first of their week? I'll get it out of the way. Hey guys, it. have you heard of a game called Baldur's Gate Three? Yes. I've heard of it. Yes, I've heard. I've heard people are quite smitten with it. It's pretty good. You bang a lot of people on that game. I played a lot of that game, like a lot of uh, that game. Uh, I'm unfortunately good. tragically unemployed, so I played so much video games in the last two weeks. It's almost like kind of insane. Um, but it's not just been Baldur's Gate Three. I played pro literally probably like over. 12 games not into completion but because of xbox game pass and because uh my attention span i'm just jumping between games left and right but uh, i love game pass because they're adding games literally every day uh some of them are download only some of them are on cloud streaming only so uh i don't have a good enough pc so i've been very fortunate enough fortunate enough i pay for it uh to use the cloud streaming and because we have decent enough internet i can play high high quality games on my lower end pc so uh i've played about four or five hours of gotham knights and that is a perfect Game Pass game. I would not spend $70 on that game, but it's pretty fun. Uh, everything is pretty good, but when everything is kind of just pretty good, it all evens out to, man, this game's all right. Uh, the story's really good. I'm enjoying the character stuff. It's the problem, man, of like, if this were like, if like this game came out after the first Arkham game, it was Arkham Asylum and then Gotham Knights, people would not be shitting on it as much. But the fact that we've had three Arkham games and this game feels like a regression um, is kind of a problem um but it is good enough again i didn't buy it for full price so like all of the character stuff all like the supplemental stuff like reading emails you know talking to characters all that stuff's great the people who made the game clearly love the comics the problem is it's a video game and you gotta play it and it plays just fine it is a completely super reductive version of the arkham games because you were splitting all of bruce's abilities between four characters and at where i am right now um i am early but the tech tree and you know upgrading your character like i don't care about the perks it's like oh you get 10 percent more damage or 15 percent. it's like i don't care about that give me a cool ability and you do unlock that stuff but it takes a long time and the most frustrating thing for me is and why i don't want to play as all four characters because it's a single player game you can play as two player co-op with someone else right i've had random people jump in my games and stuff but like as when you play in the Darkham games, you have the glide, right? And you can glide really fast. And you can, when you climb to a tower, you can zoom up to make it go really fast. You don't have any of the stuff unlocked at the beginning. So all you have is a grappling hook for all four characters. So you grapple up to a point and you jump on it. And you grapple to a point and you jump on it. And you have to traverse the entire city that way until you unlock the legendary um, flying ability for each specific character. You know, Nightwing has the glider, which is like a Fortnite glider. Uh, Batgirl, she plays the most like Batman. She's a bruiser who has a glider. Uh, Jason Todd has his astral projection teleporting, which is fine because, you know, this is a more mystical version of the, the DC universe as opposed to like, you know, like the movies or something. So I'm cool with that. And then Jace, uh, uh, Tim Drake has a teleporting thing because he's a tech boy. Those are all fine. You can't, you don't unlock all of them at once. You have to play the game as those characters for a couple hours to, and do these specific knighthood missions to unlock those specific uh, flying abilities. And it takes a couple hours for each character. So I'm spending like, I'm going to spend like six hours just unlocking a way to play the game faster. And that it's just not immediately. Like a, it's not like a fun grind. It's just kind it's, of feels like a grind. 
it just feels like a grind and like all the side activities like hey you guys play the arkham games you play the spider-man games you know what type of things these are you'll run into oh these guys are robbing a armored car and you have to defeat eight thugs oh for bonus experience take them out using this specific armor that's what spider-man did right like specific like ability so those are littered throughout the city and the combat just isn't great it's good it is totally serviceable and if the rest of the story and that stuff wasn't better i would have dropped the game off already because it is it is super bullet spongy i don't want to play as nightwing and when i'm fighting eight random thugs each thug takes 10 hits to kill like that's just not fun it is it is much more of an rpg than it is a traditional arkham game which is cool but like you see the numbers on top of their heads and every time you punch someone 35 damage 20 damage and i'm just like i don't I just want to play an Arkham game. I don't want to play this yeah. bad RPG. And it has a really bad gear system. Um, the costumes look cool, but like you have to upgrade. Like, oh, I have a new battering that has plus four power. And I'm like, eh, this is just like a, like a live service game that's single player. So I will probably continue... One of the things that was fun about the Arkham games when you did upgrade, you got like more shit, right? Like when you had like the 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 I remember the the ice grenades that you had in Arkham City. Mm -hmm. Like you, if you upgrade that, you get more of those, which would help you when you were fighting like Clayface. Yeah. Um, but like I don't, I don't get like why would you be like, oh, my battering is now slightly stronger. Yeah. Um. Again, like there is like the knighthood missions where you went, where like it is like the the legendary stuff, but that takes takes a long time to do and you have to like oh defeat five mini bosses do this training mode do these three things and i'm just like that's just a checklist it doesn't feel fun mm -hmm. or like organic um as opposed to like you meet lucius fox in the game and because like you know this is after batman died uh the, the 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 bat family is taken over and that stuff's great i really like that stuff lucius shows up and he's like hey i'm gonna help you here's some stuff and then it's just like here's 20 icons on the map go do these things to unlock fast travel and i'm like eh can you give me like a gun or something i don't know bro <laughs> um so gotham nice is totally like like the best seven out of ten maybe ever made but like uh there's so many other games that are get grabbing my attention um i'm gonna roll through some of these quickly just because i played a couple hours of each i played some back for blood which is the new left for dead game that is now like three yeah. years old at this point um it's totally good it's totally fine if you played left for dead it's not as good as Left 4 Dead, but it's really good. You know, if you want to play a horde shooter that's, you know, narratively based, you know, go through acts to get to like a final big confrontation. Like it's totally good. Uh, game Pass game. Definitely. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, I played a lot of this game called Chivalry 2, and that is a multiplayer online medieval combat simulator. And it's 64 people and it's 32 versus 32. And you have grunts and like it's uh, siege battles and cannon battles and, you know, uh, trebuchets. And it's hardcore realistic. You get killed in like one or two hits. Uh, it's not like, you know, it's not. A, a bullet sponge game like you have a weapon and you have to you have to dodge and you have to parry and you have to repost and if you get sliced in the head your head gets taken off uh it's really cool there's a there's a great thing called a battle cry where you hit square and your dude just goes yeah so there's literally 30 people just screaming into the battlefield and it looks really great and like the the the, the dismemberment's really great and uh it's just a lot of fun it's like a great podcast game a lot of these games are great podcast games um the last thing I will talk about is I've really gotten into Sea of Thieves, which is a pirate game that I've always wanted to get into. Um, came out 2018, and when it came out, it was very, like a lot of these live service games, not a lot to do. That first year was pretty bare bones, uh, skeleton bones, you, I could say. Uh, but five years later, there's so much shit, y'all. It is like, oh my god, like the only problem with it is that it is a, a full-ass multiplayer game where like you are on a pirate ship and you need other people to help. Because otherwise, if you're by yourself, you will get destroyed. Um, it is a multiplayer, uh, multiplayer ass game, but, um, I've been lucky enough to just try 
uh, random crews because you can you can do your own thing or you can try to join other crews. And the people that I've joined have been really helpful and really receptive. And I've talked to them on mics and they've helped me learn about the game and like, you know, guided me through it. And it's an incredible game, man. Like it is. I can see myself like losing myself to that game um, because the amount of customization, the amount of cool pirate stuff, uh, just singing sea shanties with your friends. When you talk in the game, your character's mouth talks. So like I'm hanging out with ghosts and pirates and everyone's just chatting along, playing like sea shanties. Uh, it looks beautiful. Uh, it is so fun to just like go on treasure adventures. And then like you see, you see a ship on the horizon and you know, that's a player, you know, that guy might come fuck with you. And you're like, I'm scared. I have so much loot. I don't want to die. But that's a pirate game. And like, that was what originally scared me off of it. It was like, it is a PvP game. Like, you can play with your friends and you can do like player versus enemy stuff. But you're still in a live world. Uh, and that always scared me. But now I'm a little older. I'm not as scared of other people as I used to be. Uh, I'm like, yo, what's up? Let's just try it. And it turns out like, sometimes other people don't want to fight either. You will you will walk past the ship or, you know, drive past the ship. What do you... S sail 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 what the i don't know words you'll sail past the <laughs> ship and you have like you have like an old school megaphone and you can use a megaphone to yell at other sailors and i'm like hey yo we're not pirates don't attack us and then they'll go you're good bro and we'll just pass each other into the sea it's <laughs> really good. it's really great it's a great great live service game that again just it took a long time to get there but the community is really passionate um i heard the community is really toxic and i haven't met any of those people yet luckily the two people that i've met have like taking me under their wing and they're like yo dude let's do whatever you want i have like twenty thousand jillion gold in this game i don't give a shit what we do so like i was raiding underground temples um like indiana jones i was going on these like on these like uh fortresses run by like ghost pirates it's so much fun and it looks like like a pixar game like at this point with you know like the xbox one and ps5 advancements uh it looks incredible and the waves are the best looking water i've ever seen in a game and there's just something really fun about spending 10 minutes journeying with a bunch of people to a to a place and you guys are just singing sea shanties and you know you're you're packing up you're getting ready for a voyage um it's a great it's like the best adventure game i maybe ever played next to like elden ring um i love it i've been playing so many video games i have a question about that one is that's yeah. not the one by the assassin's creed guys right no that is that is skull and bones and that game has still never come out that game was supposed oh, to come okay. out five years ago um Jeez. i yeah, I do want to play that game too because I love Black Flag, uh, that Assassin's Creed game. But that game is in development hell. I think it's coming out soon. They were doing betas uh, uh, this year. But uh, Sea of Thieves, um, it's a game I love so much. I might start streaming it once I get become good enough because I don't want people watch me be a bad pirate. That's not fun. Well, actually, maybe fun. You know, sinking, getting sunk is pretty fun, uh, depending <laughs> on who you're asking. But uh, yeah, I'm playing just so many video games. I love it. I love, I love video games so much. Ben, what do you got? Ben, you uh, got something. I do have something about video games, but it's really, it's a mobile game and it's a game I've been playing for quite a bit. Actually, it's taken me away from Tears of the Kingdom because I'm still in the end game of Tears of the Kingdom. Same. But as as all of you guys know, I've also been getting really into Pokemon training card game. I've been trying to build a deck. I've been trying to, I've been, I've been looking at places where I can play in tournaments because I kind of want to compete. I, I, I am having a lot of fun. And while it is a mobile game, I gotta say the Pokemon TCG live game for your um for like iOS and Android is pretty good at getting you ready tournament for tournaments. Um now I talked about the Pokemon Trading Card game for the Game Boy for the Game Boy Color game, which is a great way to introduce you to the world of Pokemon TCG, but it's very outdated because mm -hmm. there's no of the there's none of the new cars, there's none of the new sets, it's all older rules, and the rules have changed ever I mean they changed ever so slightly in the 25 years in poke in the TCG's existence. But uh live is like 
the current rules, the standard rules. When the new set gets released there, you can get the new set on your phone. And while it is a mobile game, you think, okay, it's probably riddled with microtransactions. It's probably riddled with ways to like, oh, do this. There's none of that. I have been I've been looking up and down this entire app to try and find a place where they'll tell you to spend real money to get stuff in the game. It's not there. Hell yeah. I could not find it. It's just, well, if you start up the game, you just all you have to do is just like make a Pokemon account and you can start playing. That's it. And now people ask, well, how do I get new cards? Well, you get new cards by two ways. You play the game. And you get, um, because there is like a battle pass, but it's not a battle pass where you have to pay money for it. There is like different tiers of in-game currency, but you can get those in, but essentially you just get that in-game currency just by playing the game. It might take a while. Sounds like Marvel Snap in the same way. Kind of, yeah, kind of is. And another way to get cards is if you buy cards in real life. So like, I guess the gotcha or because it is because it is all random because there are times uh, there are things like whenever you get a booster pack in a game, it's all completely randomized. So you have to like you know find your altar of R and Jesus and pray to and pray to that. But one thing I actually do like is that to get more cards from certain sets, because when you open up a pack of Pokemon cards in today's day and age, they always come with like a little code card mm-hmm. with a QR code on it, and that's for Pokemon Live or Pokemon TCG Live. And you just scan that, and you get that booster. I mean, not that booster pack exactly, but you get a booster pack from that set in the game so it's like hey i have a bunch of pokemon cards irl and i have a bunch of pokemon cards here of course what you get in the game and what you get irl is completely different but still it's like if you like pokemon and to me this is a good way to like train for tournaments because i am running a charizard ex deck and i'm i'm not i'm going up the ranks a little bit i'm you're gonna do a tournament I would like to someday. Oh, uh, nice. I would like to, I like playing in real life because my deck in real life is nowhere near tournament ready. But I'm having a lot of fun with this, and I'm learning and playing. And as I'm playing, I'm obviously like learning different strategies, learning how to. Because there's one time I lost a match where I I let my emotions get the better of me, where instead I played this one card instead of the card uh, instead of putting a Charizard where I was supposed to. And it's I would say this is a the Pokemon TCG live is a great way to learn modern Pokemon. If you like Pokemon, if you played the Pokemon TCG on the Game Boy Color through the Nintendo Switch Online, or if you have a cart, um, but you want to get more into, but you want to learn, or you want to learn how to play the standard, more recent um, game, I would recommend TCG Live, but there is a bit of a curve to it. As in, if you play ranked standard match, you might get ranked with someone who has a bunch of Pokemon V cards and will stomp you. And there are times where I've been playing where I've had horrible draws, where I've gotten knocked out in the third turn because I don't have any spare Pokemon on my bench and I just get frustrated. And there are also times where I have the best hand ever and then I just go, let's wreck their shit. And I, you know, I, I destroy them. I stomp on them. That's great. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say if you like Pokemon and you want, but I, I would say treat Pokemon TCG Live as more of a learning tool and something to prepare you to see. Because when you start the game, you get a whole bunch of starter decks and you can pick and choose whatever you want from them. Mm-hmm. To get more decks, you have to do a whole lot of. You it's either you buy cards in real life or you just have to play the game a whole lot. But one cool thing is, once you win matches and you rank up, then you get into like a different, less sort of league in a way. 
but once you go from the quick league, which is the beginners league, to the poker league, which is like you know one of the more populated leagues, now that's when things get a little bit spicy, and you have to make sure you start winning because if you win matches, you gain more champion points, but if you lose mm-hmm. matches, you lose some. Yeah, Marvel Snap has a they have the the infinite ladder climb where like uh, I'm like ranked 49, right? And when you get to 100. Mm-hmm. Then you enter like the pro league, basically, and then yeah. it's become a national ranked thing of like the top twenty five thousand players. And I've never gotten there before because I am definitely not good enough. And I try really hard, and I got to eighty once, bro. Eighties, like I felt like a god, and then I was mm-hmm. stuck at eighty for like an entire week because I kept losing a lot, winning a lot, losing a lot, and I'm like, I need to get better at this game. I'm never gonna yeah. get infinite, and that's like that's like an easy thing apparently. I'm like, no, no, you're liars. Yeah. Uh, real quick, just acknowledging the chat. Hi, Bent. My friend Mint in uh, Canada. Hello. Hope Hello. you're doing well. Hope you're doing well, Mint. They definitely uh, have a favorite on this podcast. Yeah, she does. <laughs> well, she's been on pause menu twice. So I no, think I know. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, going back to... Because when I was playing Pokemon Teach, like last night, I was... I'm like two away... Two um, ladder tiers away from the next league. Because it goes Quick League, Poker League, Great League, Master League. And Quick League is like, you know, the beginning and Poker League is there because I'm right, I'm like two things below, but because I lost a whole bunch of matches last night, I dropped uh, a, I'm going to say division. I dropped a division and then I went right back into it. So it's one of those things where I'm just like, how am I going to fix my deck? I mean, I want to buy more, obviously I want to buy more cards um, IRL because I'm trying to build my own deck and play with it. But also I want those cards, I want those codes so I could put those codes into my phone, get a bunch of booster packs, and you have a bunch of things to play with there as well. That's how they get you. Yeah, I mean, that is how they get you. But but once again, now I'm learning I'm learning what a good championship deck works with because I am able to like go up and down. It's just I have to need, I need a lucky break. And thankfully, from what I can tell in in like actual Pokemon IRL tournaments, because with like a card game, with a lot of card games, you can have good draws, you can have bad draws. Mm-hmm. And with in on and these games, the heart and of in, the cards. It is the heart of the cards. And on this game, it's very much um, a one and done. Whereas I think a tournament, it's like okay, it's best of like say best of three. So you get another mm-hmm. chance. So if, say if you have a bad match, it's like man, I had a horrible opening hand. And then it's like, okay, now I have a good opening hand. Now I have a, ch- uh, I have a chance. I love, uh, I'm slowly getting, because uh, to bring up uh, the card game I do play, Marvel Snap, they do have also a similar thing. It's called Conquest, where instead mm-hmm. of doing one and done battles, which rise or lower your rank, um, Conquest, it's it's like a match. Uh, you have like 10 health points. And Ben, have you played any Marvel Snap at all, even a little bit? Oh, yeah, I play Marvel Snap. Okay, so you know the snap mechanic. Like, yeah, So you get 10 cubes. So you get 10 cubes, right? And like you play until somebody loses all 10 of their cubes. And it's like an attrition match where like you can play up to five rounds. And on that fifth round, both you and your opponent know each other's cards very well because you've played four matches with each other. So it becomes incredibly hard to read. Like, okay, I know exactly what you got. What are you going to do? Like it makes it really, really fun and like challenging. Uh, so like that is an aspect of, of card games I also like where it's like yeah. best of three. Because like, oh, you got to like learn your opponent. Yeah, there's a... Uh... There are two decks that I've or two deck styles that I've come across, which instantly every time I see them, when I see them play a certain card, I groan because I know that they're going to be they're They're just going to be like, you are going to I am going to hate you so much. It's uh, cards I have to deal with the, the Lost Zone and Giratina cards. And it's just. 
Because I got something right now, that, that we can all that uh, we can all understand the reference. There's a new card that came out this season called Eliath. He was the big smoke monster in Loki. His ability mm -hmm. is when you play him, destroy every single card on the other side, whether it's revealed or not revealed. So that's an instant like instant win card. Uh, and it's real and like that was like a special card. Like so, not everyone has that card. So anytime I fight that guy, I always lose because I don't have a counter yet. And I'm like, Shh, damn it, I gotta get good so I can get this card. Yeah, for me, every time I see like certain cards, I'm like, I know what this person is doing. I hope and pray the harder cards are on my side so I can get my charts because I have multiple Charizards. I can Ooh, put my, so legal? I can so I can get my it is illegal actually. So I can get my Charizards on the field, ready to fight, and just throw down. Because the other guy's like, oh, I'm gonna do like a whole bunch of like combo crazy TCG bullshit. Do you have do you have the fusion card that turns them into the wait, what would it be? Polymerization. The what would what would the what would the three headed Charizard be? The blue eyes, white dragon, Charizard. Red eyes, black dragon, triple oh no, that one exists actually. That's, that's all that exists. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben, go ahead. No, no it's, it's, all, it's all good, no worries. Uh but yeah, Pokemon TCG Live, it's pretty fun. I, I'm enjoying it. it. It's been taking me away from Tears of the Kingdom because matches, I mean, matches do last. It's not like Marvel Snap where matches are quick. This These matches actually can last a good long while. Um, but if you're, but if you really want to get into the sense of competing in a in Pokemon TCG, I would say it's a it's a good way to learn. It's not the perfect, it's not a perfect app. I will say the app has some problems with it. But if you are serious or if you are like, I want to really give this a shot. This is a good place to start. What's What's nice is basically all the big card games now have online mobile versions. Like Magic the Gathering has one that I've tried. Mm -hmm. I know Yu-Gi-Oh has one that people really like. Um, I don't know what other card games exist besides the ones we just talked about. <laughs> I figured oh, Arcana. Disney's Arcana is like popping off. People really seem to like that card game. Oh, Lorcana? Yeah, I haven't gotten any Lorcana, cards yet. Yeah. I have so the app any... on my phone. I just haven't played it yet. Yeah. For anyone who cares, Charizard's eyes are light blue, so it would be the blue eyes orange dragon. Mm. <laughs> blue eyes orange dragon. That's great. All right, go ahead. Sorry, continue. Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Just playing poke. Just playing a bunch of Pokemon, trying to get fit, trying to be the very best that the uh, like no one ever was. Stuff. All right. That? I forgot about this card. Sorry, I just this the 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 blue eyes alternate ultimate dragon which has like a bunch of heads all right anyway sorry mm -hmm, all right mm -hmm. anything else like you want anything else Ben? no okay um i'll i've um i'll only talk about one thing but I, I you know i i've read a couple issues of invincible now that the show's come back i'm getting back into the comic don't have a lot to say about that because i'm only a few issues back in i started one piece i watched the first episode of the anime I've got a thousand more to go, so like I'm not, I don't have a lot to say about that. Um, I was also, uh, I was also going to start watching One Piece, not to finish it because I, I will die before that happens, but just so I have uh, a base because I do want to watch that Netflix show because people really like too. it and I want to have some, some knowledge of it. Yeah, that's why I did it, and I was like, you know, the worst that happens is I find an anime I like. Um, yeah. So, but I did, I did, uh, I've watched, I've listened to a lot of Doctor Who, um, as. I've been listening to a lot of Paul McGann's Doctor Who stuff. Uh, he's the eighth doctor for those who don't remember. Um, and I finished his fourth series, um, which is uh, the final series before they go into their big finish. I used to do what they called the main range, which like a main range, which is like single episodes 
that they would just release as like discs. And then they started doing these box sets and that's what they've been doing since, which had multiple episodes included. Um, so I've, I finished basically finished that. Um, and this one was really cool. This season was really cool because it brought back, um, uh, Susan, which is the doctor's granddaughter from the, from the William Hartnell series, um, back way back, way back, um, ages ago. And, um, uh, so it's it's the same actress coming back to to do this, and so what happens is the doctor shows up on about thirty years after he left her on this future version of Earth that was ravaged by the Daleks, and he's like, "Hey, long time no see. I'm your grandfather. I know I look a lot younger now, but hey, let's reconnect." Um, turns out he's got a great grandson who's part Gallifreyan, part human, mm. um, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and she kind of appears again, um, because the doctor has this issue where he's dealing with this, um, he, he's, he's starting to deal with, with an older time Lord called the monk. Um, so we all know the master, uh, but there's also the monk, the Ronnie, the Valyard, um, there's Mm -hmm. other evil time Lords. And so this one is the monk. And so he's come back to, to, uh, fight the doctor, but he's got a companion of his own. Um, but the kind of main crux of the series is Lucy, which is the doctor's companion for the season and has been for the past three years, um, for the past three seasons. And uh, she's great, I love her. I was played by Sheridan Smith, she's wonderful. Um, and she was such a great companion for the doctor. Um, and the final two episodes, which are called Lucy Miller and To the Death, are heart wrenching, just heart-wrenching i was listening to this at work and i was like my like i was laughing i was crying i was just in my cafeteria just like there's some funny moments where i just kind of like had to like not laugh um and you know you know that like podcast listening laugh where you're just gonna oh yeah, just gonna, yeah. in a public public space yeah don't um, listen to auntie donna ever at a job because you'll no. just just like burst out laughing and people will look at you funny yeah like, what the hell um and it, it it was the to the death which is the final episode of this se- of this series was really emotional because there's so much as this as the title states a lot of characters die and the reason why that happened is because nicholas briggs who plays the um who is the the voice actor for the daleks but also the director of big finish um he wanted to make a truly terrifying dalek story the daleks have the you know they've been around so long you can kind of like they're they're not really that scary anymore um and he wanted to like really like really push it and make it like make them feel like they're threats so like the monk's companion dies um the doctor's grand great grandson dies like like it's really it's really something and it was really well directed and it was really well acted i almost blew out my earphones because there's a nuclear bomb explosion and i had that thing at full blast because it was so loud around me all of a sudden like um it was just such such good stuff like there is nothing like big finish doctor who uh even the show doesn't go as hard as that as as those audio adventures go because they have carte blanche to do pretty much anything yeah um it was it it it, it was awesome like i i don't want to spoil too much because i know spark specifically is going to listen to some of them eventually and it's going to get to them eventually but the eighth doctor is such a fun uh, era of the of Doctor Who that the shows obviously never did because he never had a he never had a season, but it's uh, it's it's really 
really cool to listen to. And then revisit some older characters. Like I never heard of the monk before. Um, I've heard of the, the toy maker because of the new series. And I've heard of the Ronnie and the master, obviously, but I've never heard of the monk. And so like, I'm learning more about like classic doctor who, and there's the ice warriors uh, that are like the Martian, like turtle people. That was kind of cool to listen to some of the uh, villains and, 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 and here are weird to listen to an audio, especially like the Daleks, because you know, the, they're kind of like exterminate exterminate is really difficult on your ears. If you're listening oh, sure. to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really good stuff. Like I'm so glad to kind of be as, as, as like entrenched in Dr. Who as I am. And there's so many different places where I can go now. Like I, I'm, I'm already, I've already compiled another list for Sparks to give me some more episodes of just like this, the wild, the shit they did there's a whole season of, of paul mcgann's doctor where he travels with mary shelley the creator of frankenstein that's pretty cool yeah i thought that was cool so i'm gonna listen to that next anyway a lot of fun really cool stuff i really want to shout out just like sheridan smith like killed it as lucy miller she was great her final moments in that episode are something truly to behold like just like oh my god guys so good i cannot express it enough how good some of the stuff is love it but that's all I will talk about for now. So why don't we get into our bread and butter? Yum, 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 yum. Are we back? Cool. And you just your mic. Five, four, and we're back. I'm back. All right. Um, some sad news up top talk about real quickly uh shauna trip tripsick i believe is how you pronounce her name um who is a costume designer um has been a costume designer since the 90s where she worked with um coppola didn't direct it but it's a very good version of frankenstein that oh kenneth Branagh directed it the kenneth Branagh directed yeah, frankenstein the Rob De Niro one. yeah i really like that movie um did a bunch of stuff uh on whedon shows for uh like cabin of the wood the cabin of the woods obviously but dollhouse and um uh, Firefly Angel, but most recently uh, oh, she did Torchwood also, which is cool. Uh, most recently has been the lead costume designer for the Mandoverse shows for Lucasfilm. So Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, Mandalorian, uh, all those, Obi-Wan. But uh, those, shows look great. those shows look great. Those shows do look great. Great costume design. She passed away at the age of 56 due to oh. unknown causes. That's a shame. Yeah, that really sucks. That that's too young to go. And she was she was, she had won an Emmy. She was Emmy nominated this year for um, I think Mandalorian. Um, yeah, that that that's that's a real shame. Yeah, that sucks. And then Michael Gambon passed away at the age of eighty-two due to mm. pneumonia. This was a bit of a shocker because when I found out, I was at Halloween Horror Nights. And right before we went to one of Maze's, you know, I was line... too. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And I, we went through the, with the wizarding world, for, you know, the, we went to um, Harry Potter, the Forbidden Journey, the big attraction there. And I saw the flower in Dumbledore's office. I'm like, why is there a flower there? And my fiance said, oh yeah, he died today. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. What yeah. do you mean he died? Yeah. So that's, that's obviously he's probably most well-known in our circles as a second Dumbledore. Uh, the person who replaced uh, Richard Harris. Um, look, that was no small feat. Like, I can't express enough. Richard Harris was perfect for the role, and Michael Gambon really came in. Everyone loved him on set. He had 
there's so many stories you can talk about. There's the most famous one where he where he has a a fart machine in Daniel Radcliffe's uh um uh um uh what's it called sleeping bag that he mm-hmm. he's playing his prank on Daniel Radcliffe. Obviously a lot of fun on set, but he had a long career. I mostly know him as a voice actor. Um, he's Uncle Pazuzu in um in Paddington. Um, oh yeah, yeah yeah. Isle of Dogs. He's in, he's he's great in Isle of Dogs. Like. I I really love his voice work and I know Sparks will would would talk about this if he was here but he's in probably one of the best Doctor Who episodes of the Stephen Moffat era which is a Christmas carol where he plays the Scrooge character um and he's incredible just brings you to tears like it's an incredible movie it's an incredible episode and he's performing it just so well um I really he was he was truly a great performer uh, obviously, I'm sure we've seen all the all the stuff online about how he would always lie in interviews, which I mm. never knew about. I didn't know that. Um, um, after, well, the news that was broke. Really but when the news broke, or when I found out, I wasn't. I haven't been seeing clips. I haven't been seeing anything. But mm-hmm. the only I want to um, comment about the other role I remember seeing him in, and it wasn't like you said, Brandon. He was a really good voice actor. And the only other movie I remember seeing him in outside of the Harry Potter films was the fantastic mr fox yeah yeah he's and great when, yeah well like when you hear because michael gambon he has that that voice that when you hear it you know it's him and mm-hmm. even though he does a, he doesn't really change his voice when he's performing to different characters but he's just that good of an actor that is like oh yeah that he's being this character or he's being dumbledore he's being whomever and but it, like his voice is just so iconic. It's kind of like a Morgan Freeman style voice where it's like, oh, that's that guy. Yeah. But instead of me saying, hey, that's Michael Gambon, I'm like, that's Dumbledore. I didn't remember that he narrated Hail Caesar. That's funny. Yeah. And he's uh he's uh the Arthur in Kingsman the Golden Circle. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at his, his IMDB now or or um, on Wikipedia. Um yeah. he's in he's in so many movies. And I've seen all of these movies, and he's just a great like character actor. Um, yeah. he's not really like the lead in any of these movies. He's just like, yo, this dude shows up and he rocks. And those are the best, those are the best actors. Yeah. I really liked him, honestly. Like I wasn't, to be fair, like I wasn't crazy about his Dumbledore. Um, and like, I don't think that, you know, Harry Potter, Harry, he was, he was in like eight of those movies, uh, six of those movies, but like, he was a great actor and he was, yeah. um, one of the he was often the highlights and things and i've I've watched a lot of his interviews since finding out that he lied in so many things and he's so funny and he's just such a joy he's kind of like a just like large child a lot of the time and he clearly just wants to have a good time he very much anthony hopkins energy a lot of the time when he's just kind of like he doesn't like doing interviews so he's just kind of making shit up and just trying to have his own have his fun and you know live your life like that yeah, rest yeah, in peace, man. Long, long ass legacy. Sad loss. Mm-hmm. All right. So the WGA and the SAG after strike update is thus: the WGA strike is over. Woo! As of two weeks ago, as of two weeks ago, this WGA strike has ended. Um, I believe it was on a Wednesday. Um, and and the the, the big takeaway is they won big people put up a a a comparison of the final paragraph of both uh this wga email that went out and the one from 2008 and the one from 2008 is very sad like 
hey, we fought a good fight. We got what we could and we did what we could. But, you know, there's always next time. And then this one is like, this was because of you guys, your dedication. We did like, there was such a different energy here. And Adam Conover has a great video as always, as always, he's just constantly putting out great videos about these strikes. Um, detailing just like what it was that they won, how they were able to win it, combating the AMPTP's misinformation campaign, the crisis PR firm just losing, just not not doing a great job. Uh, the the negotiating committee was treated like rock stars at like this this like meeting. Uh, incredible, incredible stuff. I didn't think they get everything. I thought they get most things, but they got everything pretty much. Yeah, it's um, a type of thing where I'm like damn, maybe I'll want to be a writer again. (laughs) Right? Like, oh, it's like, people are just like, did we just save our career? Yeah. No, like for, like for real, like, wow, you actually, you got all the things you wanted. And it's like, it's not like pennies. It's like, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, So let's go through, so let's go through some of them. Some of the big ones that we've been talking about are streaming residuals and AI. So AI protections have been granted and, and like incredible and like really great stuff because there was a lot of stuff. There's a lot of talk like, studios aren't budging on ai it really feels like the studios their best and final was just like fine let's just get this over with yeah um you see like the the studios who just kind of like you know we're just glad it's over they're defeated they're defeated like that that is the only way to put this to put this so they uh so the ai protections are thus and and discussing film obviously has been great uh on twitter uh, talking about the uh, strikes and things like that so obviously they have a much more in-depth breakdown than i'm probably going to give you but one of the big things was that uh ai cannot take a writer's job uh a writer uh if one of the things that i that i saw was that if a studio has generated an ai script from chat gpt or something they have to disclose that this was ai and then the the writer who is brought on to rewrite that script owns that script. That becomes their script. They will own it outright, and they will be paid for not a re not a rewrite, but a first draft, which is great. Yep. Like that, that's huge. Um, and uh, one of the other ones is that a studio can't the studios can't uh, mandate that they use AI, but a writer can choose to use them if they want um like i like we've been talking about it should be used as a tool not as a replacement mm-hmm. um there and so there's a lot of stuff like that in there one of the other things is the the streaming residuals now we didn't get the streaming transparency i was personally hoping for i i really i really was hoping that they'd finally have to release the numbers to the public they do not the the, the wga settled for what they could and what they could is really good for for them obviously because the uh, before it, one of the one of the counters was that the AMPTP was going to say that the streaming numbers can be granted to only like six members of the WGA board, but they couldn't tell the writers. That's not the case now. The AMPTP, so Netflix, Amazon, they have to re, they have to say give the WGA those numbers what their shows are doing, and the WGA board members have to tell the showrunners for their shows so that they can negotiate proper residuals because now we have streaming based residuals better streaming based residuals than we were having but think it was like a 20 percent increase and i wouldn't be shocked if not like today but if in the future this shit gets leaked hard because absolutely how many oh, like yeah. uh, like ndas all this stuff but there's um, ten thousand writer like what like come on like come on. oh yeah no that things will definitely get leaked and and obviously <laughs> oh, I, just, I need to know 
Red Notice's numbers. That's the only Me movie too. I, I honestly, like whether it's good or bad, I just need to know, is that really like one of the highest viewed movies of all time? I don't believe you. I just don't believe you. I gotta know. I just, I that's the know. one. That's the one. Tell me that one. Yeah. Um, I'll believe yeah. Bird Box and, and all your other bullshit if, if, if you show me the Red Notice. Um, it's a, but like as as Ryan uh, mentioned, there they have they will be under an NDA. The WGA cannot tell the public what they are. Yeah, someone could leak it, and I'm hoping yeah. they do. Um, but yeah, so one of the other things, minimum staffing. Minimum staffing was granted. Uh, I think with a show of like six or less, it's got to be three sh- three writers plus the showrunner. Um, and then it goes up from there. There's like a a, a tier. The fear, obviously, with that is that. Uh, the streaming the streaming services will just order less episodes to so they don't pay writers but that's just shooting yourself in the foot like that's not going to work i've also there has been not not pushback well i mean there was pushback certain mm-hmm. like a like a what's his name tyler sheridan the 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 west guy the tyler west sheridan guy. yeah like he likes to write all the shit on his own so like that's so, like so like i disagree with that i i think when you're writing a television show of that scale like having one person isn't always the best. Now, like if you've worked, well, I mean, he's worked for a long time. So like, I don't know, like he's, he's a, like an exception, but like more writers on something is not a bad thing. More yeah. eyes on a project is not a bad thing because one person can be really focused and narrowed and they can, they can miss out on potentially, you know, like troublesome stuff, racism stuff, anything, just anything like having more eyes on a project doesn't mean it's going to be interfered with and change. It means you're just getting more help. Uh, and so people view it as like a glass half empty glass half. Like, it's like, honestly, guys, it's not a bad thing to get more help. It does not mean they're going to take your job. Like if, if Taylor Sheridan gets like an extra writer, he's not going to take his job. Right. Like it's just having extra also, eyes and like a different perspective what, on the rhythm of writing. What's wrong with just giving someone some money for a couple of months without, uh, with no work. Like, well, that's, that's another situation of conservatism. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's the thing. If you want to write your show all together, which by the way, I don't believe Taylor Sheridan writes all of his shows because that dude puts out too much shit. He's got to have yeah. a ghostwriter. Ghostwriter. Um, so like he's got to have, if he doesn't have a ghostwriter, I will be shocked because I don't think he's that talented. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he could be, he could be, I don't know. I don't know him personally. Um, yeah. But also like he's also, he's a billionaire. Give some, give just a new writer, someone who's up and coming just a, check for a couple of weeks worth of work he's made more money off of his farm than anyone would ever make in a lifetime like give right. us give a poor writer a chance right exactly like the these things are just there's there's so there's so much here there's foreign based streaming residuals there's a pay raise of five percent in the first year which is unheard of i'm sorry i apologize there's something about the the writers room thing that i forgot to bring up as well um yeah. it is so hard to break into the industry as 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 whether a writer and, and a producer anything trying to get you from the ground up is really hard so if you're on if there's a bunch of projects who only have a solo writer then your chances are are very much limited and like if, if you want to work in a specific field like like the like the hardcore detective genre like you know that's like true detective is written by one dude like the tyler shedder shows are written by one dude like no one will be given the chance to do that unless you give them that opportunity. Yeah. And if, and if they hold like, if they hold like, I'm the guy who makes all these detective shows, no one else gets to, but that sucks. So yo, let some other people on board. Again, they're not the, sh- they're not the showrunners. They're writers who are given a chance to like show their chops too. Like it's yeah. only, it's again, it's, it's, it's just a difference of like conservatism and like giving people a chance type of thing. Just like the thing, the thing that you, it used to be that, you know, for 22 episodes, right. You'd have a, you'd have a writer's room and you have a showrunner. 
and and you'd have a couple of assistants and the assistants would get a chance to write an episode every now and then because you have 22 episodes you need to fill the space yeah. and then if the, if the that episode was well received that assistant is, is is in the writer's room in the next season yeah and it doesn't I happen anymore yeah i i i don't want to return to 22 episodes for everything because again i don't think every every show needs like that much filler mm-hmm. for some things but like i like shows that we're not talking about the one show specific, like was written by one guy and like i like that show a lot but like i think another another eye on it could have helped it probably a little bit you know like i i think like movies are different than tv shows there's so much more real estate there's so much more involvement like i understand having a vision so many more moving but, like, parts. vision needs help vision always needs help mm-hmm. there's so many more moving parts there and the thing that with these with with less and less episodes what you can have is you can have that extra person be there as a sounding board as an assistant as um or even a second writer if you want to, someone to take the load off of you and but it, it just helps it helps the people coming up it creates a ladder for people to become the next taylor sheridan to become the next john favreau to become the next dave filoni yes i specifically mentioned them for a reason um and like the the thing that like i like that that i really like about about this is that it would it, you don't need to use their advice but now that they're now that they need to with so many, with less and less episodes, the 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 studios and the streaming services are using that as an excuse to pay people less and mm-hmm. to use less people. You know, we talked a lot about the um, the mini rooms that would be like, oh, we'll we'll break a story for no pay, and then one person from that room will go off to write the whole episode, write the whole season. That and that's been completely dismantled thanks to these deals. Like now, you have to pay these people for that time. But, like you can't treat writers as unpaid labor anymore and you can't cut off a pipeline that has been around for decades a pipeline that has worked for decades uh you just can't cut that off anymore and we've found a way to create that to create that pipeline again and strengthen it yeah i i i'm gonna talk about a, about a tv show like because we're it's about the subject but like yeah, she for it she-Hulk yeah. is a show that had a writer's room. The last episode of that show showed us the writer's room. And half of those people are like comic writers. That part doesn't matter. But that is a writer's room, right? And every one of those episodes is written by a different person. And I think most of those episodes are all still really good. Because despite having different creative persons per episode, there's a writer's room where they're all talking about it all at the same time. And like, oh, cool. You have the idea for that episode. You'll work on that episode. And you work on that episode. They're all still talking in sync. And like, again, I don't, I don't know if every single small show needs that. But it, but having more eyes on a project is never hurtful. It never, it never is harmful because uh, you always need fresh perspectives. Because sometimes you just miss something. Sometimes there's just an editing problem you don't see. There's a writing problem you don't see. And more eyes is always editing is so important in the arts industry. And like more than you think. Yeah, when you control something from start to finish, you lose perspective. You lose mm-hmm. that. You lose a thread. You lose something. And when you have more eyes on it, which is why movies work mostly you know you got the writer the writer turns it in the directors the director directs it and then you get the editor there's all these kind of checks and balances m- until you get to the final product and oftentimes it works really well mm-hmm. um and and with with tv there's become this idea that the showrunner is also the only per- the only person with creative control and if they're the only person in the writer's room and they're the only person who has final say something's missing something's getting lost there but if you add that extra person Sure, maybe they get an episode, maybe they don't. But if that yeah. extra person is there, you have a higher likelihood of creating a better product. Absolutely. It's I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather have the help than not have it. Yeah. Um, there's so much more that we could talk about uh in, in this and and 
frankly, like a lot that I don't even understand that, that I'm just glad they got because like, again, this is a huge win. This is not just a huge win for the writers. It's a huge win for labor. They, they have won against a greedy studio system that has frankly become a mon- a money laundering scheme. Yeah. And it's really great to see this momentum carry forward into what the SAG, now SAG after has gone into meetings. Then they've been in meetings all week. They will be in meetings probably all this week and hopefully they can get a good deal as well. Um, yeah, this is, this is great. This is a huge win for labor. This is a huge win for the writers of the huge win for Hollywood. This is a, this is the most optimistic I've been about Hollywood in a long time. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's the type of thing where like, if you give people opportunities, like they will, they will show up, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like people don't want to work in Hollywood. It's like, they don't want to work in, in the shitty system of Hollywood. Yes. And if we can change that, it'll not only attract more people again, like hearing this, like, you know, I've moved to Hollywood to be a film director and like that, I don't want to be a director anymore, but like, I still love writing and I don't do enough writing on my own, but like hearing this of like, Oh, I would actually get paid like for the rest of my life for something that I worked on, like how it used to be. Like that makes me like excited about like pursuing something, you know, I'm I'm not, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the future seems bright for people who want to work in this industry as opposed to like, well, like I'm really good at writing, but like, I'm just, I guess I'll just work at a restaurant my whole life because like they will never pay me enough. And I'm like, no, you have a chance now. Not just because you'll get paid, but you'll get staffed. Like no matter what, like the future seems really bright. And if the writers can get this, and again, like this is not me disparaging writers or actors, but like actors are like, are are more important in the scheme of of Hollywood than actors, right? If the writers can get this, then I think the actors can get absolutely everything they want to. And it'll be just, it'll be beautiful. It'll be copacetic. There'll be so much synergy. People will want to work. So many more TV shows will be good. Like it's, this just seems like an uphill, like, man, thank God. Oh, my God. Like, we did it, hopefully. I mean, it's what they always talked about, right, with these with these strikes. Like, we're not fighting for new things. We're fighting for a system we already had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You went in, You came in. You broke the system. We are trying to fix it. This is how you fix it. And they did. Yeah. And hopefully there's not as many loopholes for the studios to wiggle the way through. Um, yes, the streaming bubble bursts, which clearly is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is beginning to burst um the the idea of infinite growth needs to go away these mm-hmm. these uh these protections will help the writers will help the industry uh a win this win will help the industry a lot as well as the writers so hopefully absolutely. another win is coming yeah absolutely i believe it well so because of this all the late night shows have returned snl's coming back uh jimmy fallon's back stephen colbert's back uh drew barrymore however is not back because <laughs> I wonder why all all of her staff writers have refused to return to the show. One week, it was one week until the strike ended. Drew, you were the you were Hollywood's baby. Everyone loved you, Drew. Come on, my God, she was everyone's favorite nepo baby. It's crazy how how fast reality can turn on someone. It's so funny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to I mean, ruin it's... her whole public perception. Wow. I mean, I won't lie. I have definitely missed like shows like last week tonight and um, um, late night with Seth Meyers because I love watching yeah. his closer, uh, um, his closer look stuff on YouTube when I come home from work. Same. And it's to see them back on my YouTube feed. It's like, yay, they're back. But also, I feel like this, like the whole Drew Barrymore bit, kind of deserved it. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, and like. Again, it was I. I nobody thinks Drew Drew Barry is a bad person. It was just it was a bad decision that she thought mm-hmm. she, she was making the right one. Um, and she, again, we talked about it. She deleted it. Like, there's a little more good faith there. But like, it's really funny. They were this close to ending the strike, and everyone was going to be happy. And like, 
that show, I'm not worried about that show getting new writers because oh, people are always hungry for jobs. But like to have like, I'm, I, I imagine those were like writers who've worked on the show for a long time who probably liked Drew Barrymore. And like just feel like they got the rug pulled out from under them. And like I wouldn't, I wouldn't return either if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, no. And what's great about this is that the this this new deal allows them the 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 stability to be like, you know what, that job didn't respect me. I know now that that job didn't respect me. I'm leaving. Yeah, hell yeah. Again, like everyone deserves to get paid what they want to be uh, treated respectfully. Work somewhere you want to work. So like, if they were good writers, hey, I'm not. I'm I'm sure they'll they'll find. They'll find a new position somewhere. Not mm -hmm. to get up on my labor uh, on my labor soapbox, but like the the horrible thing about capitalism is that we've 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 for decades thought that we need to uh, abuse our workers because we pay them less. We um, they are they are lucky to work for me. No, you are lucky to have me work for you. That is how yeah, this yeah. is. This is how this should work. And if you do not respect me, you do not get my labor. I don't. It's it's always funny how like. It's always like, you know, the rich people who don't understand this, but like, if you, people want to work, I know it's yeah. a weird thing, to, but people like working and they like getting paid for like doing a good day's work. That's like, I feel that's inherent to a lot of people. Like some people are just naturally lazy. I get that. But like, I feel like most people like, I don't mind doing something to get paid for it. Just pay me what I deserve. And I don't mind working for you. That's mm -hmm. like, everyone knows like every, like a job is a job, but like, if you just pay me and treat me with respect, I don't mind doing it. Like that's how the world works. But so many people are just like, what if we pay you less and treat you like shit? Like why i'm here for you i don't get it yeah. like it's it's so but it's so backwards again like it, it, it's so backwards exactly except like like i said like you're i'm not i'm here you're lucky to have me not the other way around exactly like yeah. people were talking about there's a lot there's so many talking points on twitter from all these blue check mark shits where they're just like we're uh all the writers are lazy that's why they're strike. no all the writers have been very clear we want to work we want to write we like our job we are yeah. just not respected in it anymore mm -hmm. and we need to be mm -hmm. well I, if also, those I, I love those blue check marks i'm sure all they do is watch like what are the reality like real wheel of fortune what are the shows that came on like ten thousand dollar pyramid like i don't need those shows i got ten thousand dollar pyramid <laughs> probably good for you and thanks with the stars i guess maybe golden bachelor Oh, that's a winner. No, that one's eh. fine. I haven't seen that one. What's that? That's I, the old. That's the old man bachelor. Yeah, and all the yeah. women are sixty and up, so it's not any gross shit. It's actually real love. That's cool. That's the only bachelor I've ever been interested in. I mean, um, I like that. I like that concept because hey, old people need love too. Um, also, just to, just to go on my own, like labor soapbox a little bit for a hot second. It also doesn't uh, look better. It does also make like you look good when you talk about how great the job is, and then say if you want to leave, go because we have a line of people around the block to waiting to to take your position. And then yeah. they bitch and moan when you call out sick or when you that's ask for a, days off. That's such a toxic uh, idea of just like um, again, it goes back to like people are lucky to work for me. And no, 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 no. Um, there's also like. Um, um, there's a lot of talk about like, oh shit, it's right there. No, it's gone. It's gone. It's whisked yeah. away. Oh, no, no, don't worry. I, I still away. have. I still have another. I still have another thing. Um, yeah. And also, it makes no goddamn sense when they say we have so many people who w are willing to work at our job and we're constantly understaffed. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. we have a line of people. Where the fuck are they? It's because the money is going to the wrong place, right? It's going to, yeah. it's going, it keeps going up to the CEO without taking any tax breaks. Or He's taking the, a bath and gold coins, the, drowning in the it. People who claim to say we run this building great, and oh, that's my hot, that's my uh, hot labor take. So, 
it it's but it's not a hot take right like it it, yeah. it shouldn't be like the the thing yeah. of 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 these labor movements that we finally we we finally said enough is enough mm-hmm. um you have been you you do not respect us you have been hoarding the you have been hoarding the wealth um that we're we're in a, we're in a man-made recession because you decided you didn't want you wanted three yachts like that's that's the reality we're not in a recession because I'm not choosing to go buy Taco Bell today. I can't buy Taco Bell today because you wanted three yachts. That's how this worked. Personally, um, I'd be happy with one yacht. I'd be happy with one yacht too. I'd be happy I wouldn't with be happy. I wouldn't be happy with a yacht. I would just be happy with enough money or a yacht so I could sell I'll that yacht. I'll take a yacht. dinghy. I'll take a dinghy. I will just even a take dinghy. a boat. If you want to give me a boat, give me a boat so I can sell it and pay off my goddamn student loans. Boats and hopes. Talk about predatory student loans. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, we've kind of gone on topic with the writer, but like all of this is labor, right? All this, all this point still stands. Like you know, the this is all happening now for a reason, and it is all coming from the same place. Uh, these systems, autumn. these systems are broken, and they need to be fixed because they are working for the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. No, well, it's anyway, not, it's not summer anymore, but hot labor autumn. Not, man, it was ninety degrees yesterday. Yeah, it's hot labor summer. summer is still alive. <laughs> the In the California, weather was like, oh wait, least. it's still hot labor summer. Yeah, we heard you. Yeah, Mother no, Nature's I didn't like, like Mother Nature looked at California and was like, oh shit, still hot labor summer. Okay. You saw the trees are are growing back in the Universal. See that oh, they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nature is Someone was like, where someone posted the picture of the trees and we're like, we're back, bitches. <laughs> um, all right. Well, because of the because of the strikes, obviously there's been a lot of things been announced. Uh because now that the WGA strike is over, people are going back to work. Uh Steven Denight is back on Spartacus, the Spartacus reboot. Um oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Um, there's a new there's a new season of Spartacus coming out. Cool. Um so because of this, um, a lot of companies are going to prioritize um, uh, second seasons, second, third, fourth seasons, upcoming seasons of already made shows uh, rather than focus on new things. Obviously, there were some new things that are that were negotiated before the strike that will probably still happen or they won't, depending on where they where they where the money lands. But, um, for example, Netflix is mostly prioritizing getting Wednesday season two and Stranger Things season five out the door as quickly as they can. Oh, yeah. Those kids are 40 now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So they they want that. They want those seasons out uh, as quickly as possible because uh, age is is definitely a reason. But also, like, that's the quickest way to get people back on. Those are like the biggest two. Like Wednesday. I I like Wednesday enough. I don't think it's perfect. But like that show was massive, like huge. And obviously, Stranger Things is a phenomenon. So, like that, that makes sense. Honestly, like it is easier to return to a show than to like you know do like new productions. Like I, I get that. You know, yeah, you know? you've already got the sets. You've already got the the writers' room has already been assembled. You're just like, let's yeah. get this one. Let's get this one going. Yeah. Um. Also, HBO has has talked about their prioritizing the Last of Us season two, Euphoria, and White Lotus next season. Yep. Um, oh, House of the Dragon. I, House of the Dragon's already done filming. Oh okay. no, that one because that was a UK thing. They were they were not uh they weren't part of this. They got to do oh, their own. Oh okay, okay. Yeah, most of most of the House of the Dragon uh House of the Dragon actors were equity actors. I mm-hmm. can't say how good the writing's going to be because their writers went on strike, but uh the equity actor they were able to film with all their actors. Yeah. Okay. So let's hopefully some of those scripts were done before the strike. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Because um, House of the Dragon is not a show 
cannot have good writing because that's a Game of Thrones property, baby. That is and George Railroad Martin. Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power had already, I believe, finished filming by the time the actor strike had had started. Um, so mm. things like that. There's obviously things that have already begun that have already finished filming that are probably going to come out in the next year. But yeah, so we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, upcoming seasons and less new things. Not necessarily a problem as long as we start getting some new things going uh, now that the strike is over. Yeah. Um, but again, SAG after still fighting. Uh, so yeah. so keep donating, keep supporting. Uh, please uh, don't don't let the strike uh, lose. Like they can't. It's not over point. yet. Yeah. Um, speaking of SAG after though, they have approved a strike against the video game industry. Uh, it was a 98.32% vote uh, for oh, yes. So it negotiations are stalled. A deal has not been reached. However, they are still hopeful for a deal. So a strike has not been called yet. So they are still working on that. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, there's nothing as of yet to report there. So I'm still, despite not it not going swimmingly like over the past few years, as I hoped, I still have more faith in this one than I do the movies one. But it is troubling that like, oh, y'all didn't just agree to this immediately? Why? Yeah. Why, uh, why, are, you being, why are you being greedy CEOs all of a sudden? What's happening here? I mean, it, it, you know, it talks about like, you know, who's who's in the who's in the room like what's what are the yeah. who's who's actually talking is like is it neil Druckmann? like i don't think he's in the room yeah. um who's doing the negotiating like the, big, the big sony like big sony heads yeah maybe. so like that's uh, that is a little concerning they are hopeful for a deal to be reached so hopefully there's one now a, a strike the strike uh authorization does not mean a strike will happen it just kind of gives them leverage in the negotiations to be like hey if we don't reach a deal, we're going on strike. Like, there's no mm -hmm. two ways about that. Uh huh. And then it's like, haha, yeah, sure, go on strike. And then they go on strike, and all the all the studio heads are like, oh, we messed up. Well, no, the studio heads will just go for six months, being like, actually, we're going to win this because everyone's going to be homeless by Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Wait, it's, my... it's it's video games are funny because uh, unlike movies where you like like man, because like you need actors to make a movie you don't need actors for 90% of your video game. So they could, they could do a shitty strike, right? And then all the developers are still making the game. Then just, they don't have the voice actors until way later than they're supposed to. And that's not a good thing, but it is a situation where like, this isn't going to ruin the video game industry, uh, but it is something they need to take care of because you need to take care of all of your people. Um, mm -hmm. Voice actors are important, but this is, this is a situation. Cause I, I literally just watched a, a podcast about this. Like what happens if the, the actors went on strike? Video games used to not have voice actors. I used to have just all text. text. And there are a lot of games yeah. who still can't afford voice actors because that they, they cost money. So, like, there is a world where, like, a, the games come out the next couple of years could potentially, like, half of them don't have voice acting. I don't think that's going to happen because, like, we are so advanced now. This isn't the 80s anymore. Um, but there is a situation of, like, oh, we'll just put text in our game. And I'm like, well, that's kind of scary. I don't want to read everything yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. You know, um... what this could do, real quickly, Ben, what this could do is, it, like, as Ryan said, like, you been you're, you're working on your video game before you, and you just wait for the strikes to be over to get your actors in could help crunch time because that's true you, you're just working on your game now you're just polishing it that's a great point and like you don't have to worry about a release date because you because you can't because you can't voice your game yeah uh, that's a good point uh crunch is awful and uh the video game industry itself is another one that you really need to get unionized but it is it's a lot harder than than movies unfortunately because it's, it's also yeah. a much newer industry uh it's a lot like it's really wild west in a way like a lot of things are handled so like hopefully this is a a good step forward um 
But like, this is again not me disparaging anyone. Voice actors are not the people I'm most concerned about with video games. It's the people working eighty hour weeks, not making money. Yeah. Like though the the actual game developers need unionization. It's the same fight that the BFX workers are working. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Absolutely, like they like they are the unsung heroes. Like yeah, like Troy Baker. Like you know Troy Baker's in The Last of Us, but also two hundred people made The Last of Us, not Troy Baker. So like mm-hmm. you know you you have to like. We have to hopefully like this will open up the whole circle of like, yo, everyone get on the strike board. Yo, everyone like I got more games than I could play for my entire lifetime. If no games come up for two years, no big deal. Get your money. Mm-hmm. And also to the the thing I was going to extrapolate on when you were saying that, uh, you know, 20 years ago, games were all text based. The fact that a game had voice acting in it at all was an amazing accomplishment. I remember when like turning on my PlayStation and it's like, oh, my God, there's voices coming out because, you know, I was just used to the like some of the, the 16-bit cartridges that metal gear little... solid one 1999 the first game that full of an entire game full of voice acting mm-hmm. and and also like if you look at games today like a uh, front runner for game of the year sea of stars no voice acting all text yeah, that's an old school amazing RPG. amazing story so yeah. i have a feeling that if the right if the actors do strike and then allow companies do set, decide to go back to text i mean yeah the the, the big triple a titles it's kind of like you need voice acting nowadays. It kind of imagine Spider Man with no voice, my my man. I know, God, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, but, not every game could do it. But this could give rise to a lot of indie titles like Sea of Stars that don't have voice acting, and people realize, didn't, like, oh my God, these are some amazing video games. That didn't yes, uh, didn't people kind of not get mad at Kojima, obviously, because Kojima is Kojima. But then he say, like, you know, you need to constantly be up, be like moving with the times and upgrade. And people are just like, actually, you don't like there's a lot of really good 8-bit games still and things like that. And you yeah, can, go, you I, can I, kind of be regressive there. Absolutely. And and the way he's talking about he he's talking about the way that I that I am like, I'm a futurist and I'm always looking forward to the future. He is a Japanese speaking man who like who like English translate like English is a second language. So like he comes off a little more like aggressive than like he means to he's simply saying yo man like we we like he's not saying like text is bad he's saying but like we can't be stagnant we can't be stagnant we should be pushing forward because video games are are the only industry that actually evolves movies visual effects look the same but movies have been the same for a hundred years almost video games is the only industry where the actual way you play it actually changes per game and for per decade. So like the way games are played 10 years ago are not the same they're played in 10 years from the future. And that's a problem. If games are still the same from 10 years ago, there has been there's no there's been no advancement in technology. That is a problem. So I hear what he's saying. He could have worded it better, but because he is a Japanese speaking man, like I'll give him some credit because like Right, but that's what I was talking about. Like yeah. what Ben's saying, like there's plenty of games that that are just hearkening back to that old style those old mm-hmm. style games that are good and they're and people are playing them because they want the, they want those games and they are they are they're new version they're, they're new versions mm-hmm. um oh, yeah. the video the video game industry has a, a a great amount of flexibility in that in that way uh that you can you like as ryan has articulated really well that you don't necessarily need voice acting for a lot of games there could and as ben has said there's a lot of indie games that could come out and really like dominate because they they can't afford sag after actors um as ryan said uh there's there's a lot of flexibility here um and 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 again like as 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 ryan said like you know there's plenty of time get paid get the money you're owed like mm-hmm. we'll we'll wait we yeah. will always wait right we will always say video game delays are good because it means mm-hmm. less crunch yeah mm-hmm. definitely yeah. and also and also just to because i do uh, ryan i do want to agree with you because i do believe that as much as i am a retro video gamer as much as i love the older stuff and i love it when i see 
brand new games coming out in 2023 that harken back to the older, like the older platformers, the older RPGs and stuff. I do 100% agree. Video games do need to evolve. And I kind of agree with Kojima as well that uh, we, sh- we, sh- we can't stay stagnant because, you know, we, the PS5 is an unbelievably powerful machine compared to even the PS3 was. And it's stupid oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. Like looking at it, <clears throat> like looking at just the advancement of video games from 1991 to today is just mind-bogglingly. Like what oh. the shit? Like holy Yeah, we crap. went from from like eight from like, you know, like 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 squares on a body like Laura Croft to like look what God of War looks like. That almost looks real, dude. Like, give me a yeah. break. Like, it's, and it's only it's again, nice. it only is going to get like bigger and better. But just like movies, that just means that the budgets are going to inflate, and you need to spend mm-hmm. more time. And that's why games take six years to make now. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's that's a whole nother problem. But like, yeah, your point Ben about indie games is like that's a, that's why I love about the video game industry. Like, anybody can make any type of game they want as long as you put your heart and soul into it. It'll take a long time. If you're one developer making a game, it'll take you five years to make it. But you have your sweet little indie game that will make you know. Sea of Stars is made by a small team, and that game is is doing gangbusters. Also, it's on Game Pass, so like a lot of people are getting eyes on it who wouldn't have anyway. What about it was No on... Man's Sky? Wasn't No oh, Man's yeah. Sky a small team? Oh my it god! Was. Well, yeah, that's like a team of like ten people, and they made like our, literally the biggest game ever made because it's literally like trillions of prestigiously generated planets. Um, that's remarkable. Holy crap! I don't even know. Thank you for bringing that up, Brandon. I don't even know how five people or like five to ten people they started small and they've grown bigger, but like how a dozen people can make that. Like, I'm just not that smart. I just don't see it. How do you yeah. do that? Uh, let's let's move off of this real quickly. Yeah. Uh, because there's one more thing I want to br- bring up, which is that SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP have been meeting, uh, which is great. Great. Hopefully they get a good deal. Disney VFX workers have unanimously voted yes to join IATSE and the VFX union, uh, joining the Marvel VFX uh, workers. Uh, they will face the same... Uh, the the same struggle. So you know, sign those petitions. Get these people unionized. The goal is to get the entire VFX industry unionized. Uh, it'll be a lot of work. There'll be a long oh, yeah. road, but it's going to be worth it because those people, like the video game industry, need it. They deserve yeah. it. They are carrying this. They are carrying the film industry on their backs, and they are being disastrously underpaid for it. I have one little joke that I've been holding on to for a while. Ever since Bob Iger came back as Disney CEO and he has made all these blunders as CEO with the with the actor with the writer strike, we're now with this. I am constantly reminded of you were the chosen one. You mm. were supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. When I mean, he look, came back. we we look, he showed his true colors. Like he yep. he was we always knew he was a CEO. He cared about the bottom line, he cared about that the the infinite growth bullshit, but we never really like he, he kind of put on this mask of like, well, I'm he, the nice. He one. had better business sense than this. Yeah. And past, this is, is what it is. Like, and he is a shitty billionaire, but like of the shitty billionaires, he's the one who seemed to have like the most going for him. And yeah. then he immediately just like, no, let's just get rid of all that shit immediately. I hate everyone. Everyone hates me. I'm like, all right. Even all right, in his know. book, even in his book, he was just like, yeah, you know, I don't think the way I handled the Lucasfilm deal was great. And I was like, I'm kind of glad you you were honest about that. And then he comes back yeah. and does this, and you're like, "What are you doing?" Like, yeah. I remember when people were like, when Disney the news broke that Disneyland ran out of I'm celebrating buns because Bob Iger came back as CEO because JPEG was doing such a shitty job. Oh, and yeah. now, and now Iger is yeah, like you said, Iger like look, Iger CEOs billionaires billionaires should not exist. CEOs are a bunch of shitty people. 
And, but like you said, Iger was the one that was the most likable. It's like, yeah, I I'm not the fan of CEOs, but at least Iger pre chapek era was like at least he got i mean yes he's made some mistakes but he's got a lot of good stuff going for him but now to be fair to be fair you're bringing up iker obviously because i mentioned this the because of the disney vfx workers this is not a disney specific problem this is oh, an no. industry problem right um iger right. is iger is just in this case working in the system every mm-hmm. industry um every industry needs unionization, but like every studio abuses the VFX industry because they are not unionized. We talked about it with the Spider-Verse. Animation and VFX and video games suffer the same problems, uh, suffer a lot of the same crunch problems. Um, And we talked about with Spider-Verse, how there was a lot of crunch with Spider-Verse because the the studio that, not Sony Pictures, the studio that Sony Pictures hired to make Spider across the Spider-Verse is not unionized. So they could abuse those workers because the contract was made was probably made for an aggressive uh, was probably uh, done under aggressive terms to be like, Hey, well, we really need this job. We really want, we'll get this and this and this and this, and you guys can abuse us and walk all over us and pay us very little because that's the job we need to do. Well, if you're all unionized, that doesn't happen anymore. You create an industry standard, which is what we're seeing with the WGA and SAC after they have industry standard contracts that are up every three years. They get negotiated. So again, that's what, a long-winded way, by the way, this is another three-year contract that will yeah. be up in three years, and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll go back to negotiations, and this will happen again. But. Yeah. Um, finally, on the strikes things, Gavin Newsom has vetoed the unemployment bill uh, that was going to help striking workers. Screw you. Screw you. <laughs> another guy who, like, I like again, shit. like, no politician is almost perfect, but like, you know, we live in California. He's he's a quote unquote Democrat. Like, he's been pretty good about some things, but like. Well, why now? Why why are these people now like I'm just gonna show my ass now? I'm like, but you've been you haven't had to do this before. I don't get it. He's he he's kind of this this politician of like I'm for workers. Like even Biden went to like the auto workers strike, didn't yeah. he? Like yeah, um, you know I'm pro workers rights. Where like this is workers rights. This this would allow people to the 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 stupid thing is is this conservative idea as Ryan said that for this idea that the people don't want to work. That's not true. People do want to work. They just want to be respected while they work. They want to, yeah. they want to know that they matter. People love thinking that they matter. If you keep telling people they don't matter, of course they don't want to work because they're fucking depressed. Yeah, I a little piece of paper on that's attached to my break room that says "You are so appreciated" doesn't fucking work. Like that's the thing. I don't want to get Ben like all riled up because Ben is very. Ben, much... don't worry. They're gonna give you another pin. The th- oh. of the three of us, Ben is the one who is least respected in his workplace because, like, mm-hmm. uh, like he's very representative of this idea of like this bill could have helped so many people fight for their rights as workers. We want to be in the workforce. We want to make money because we want to buy things. We want to put money into the economy. We want the economy to flourish because we live in this economy. We don't oh, want the, the economy, economy to. We don't want to ruin the economy. We live here. I love my house. I would. I don't want to lose it. Of this course, I want same, to work to keep this it. Is the same guy who like who gave us like during the pandemic, like unemployment, like checks. Yes. Right. Like, why? Yes. Why are you now being an asshole? Like, again, those politicians, man. I'm just like, oh, oh. When I got y'all, I've never told you this. When I was younger, I wanted to be a politician because I was like a young liberal. I'm like, I'm gonna change the system. And then I grew yeah. up, and I'm like, stop those no shit. I can't, I can't do shit. <laughs> Nothing's gonna happen with me in office. So hopefully, somebody else will do it because it ain't happening here. I mean, this is probably going. This is probably happening because Newsom was going to make a play for president when Biden. Yeah, won. and like all things considered, he is not the worst. Of considering who might also be running. Oh my God, it's going to be great. So like, 
just like, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna shoot myself, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the um the latest make some noise? Uh, yeah, with yeah. Brennan's Trump impression. Yes, absolutely. I saw the clip so of it. He never, uh, he never told him he had it because then they would make him use it a lot. All throughout the the Trump campaign, throughout the Trump presidency, he had, he just never told him they had it. It was really funny. Do we want to, before we get out of here, this is the last bit of news that I had. Before we get out of here, do we want to talk about what happened with Epic? Oh my gosh. Epic if I, I, I wish I, yeah. I wasn't going to talk about it. Uh, there's, there's like a month's worth of nonsense. I can, I can very, I can try to quickly go through it. I, I, I would have been more prepared um, if I knew we were going to talk about it. Um, it was just an ask. We can say no. No, no, no. I can just, it is, it is. I thank you for bringing it up. It's just like, uh, uh, very quickly. Um, well, Epic laid off 900 people. Uh, uh, that was awful. Uh, lots of stuff happened with Unity as well, with with the video game engine uh, going from subscription service to a uh, per install uh, basis. So tons of indie developers were going to like lose lots of money, right. and that was really scary. The last month in the video game industry has been really tough. Specifically, again, Epic losing 900 employees, um, and then this going, yeah, like you know, we just need to restructure our format. And you know, despite Fortnite being the biggest game in the world and it making us billions of dollars, we're also going to upcharge uh, the V bucks uh, and everything. And it's just like. Oh. It's just awful everywhere. No matter where you go, everything's awful. Epic is like the biggest company because of Fortnite, and they laid off almost they laid off like sixteen percent of their workforce. Like nobody's safe, Benjamin. The co-founder of Epic left. That's right. That as well. Up, and straight up said that Epic is becoming something I did not sign up for. They are becoming. Yeah, oh, dude. And the, yeah. and when one of your founders, a guy who has created this. I can only assume this gentleman created Fortnite. Help create no. Fortnite. No, oh, or... he, he helped. He, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't start with Epic. He joined Epic like only yeah. a couple years ago. But he he was big into Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah, like well, he was like one of the top guys. Like he's yeah. one. Of, I I heard he was like a co-founder of Epic, or he was like he was like you know top brass. He's up yeah. there on that bracket. And the fact that he just straight up said, "I'm gone. It's not what I wanted to be. It's not what I signed up for." All of these things. It's like this bodes poorly. I talked Epic. about this yeah. with uh, Ben and I actually talked about this with Sparks uh, this week um, a little bit about uh, about what was happening with Epic and Sparks seems pretty pretty certain that they're going to ruin Fortnite um, mm -hmm. in this kind of chase for infinite growth. The weird thing about Fortnite is that you actually do have infinite growth with Fortnite because there's always new people being born and playing Fortnite all the time. So you have all these new customers, and I the the fallacy of infinite growth that we've talked about in like the film industry and like streaming is that eventually you plateau there's no more people buying netflix there's no more like disney is doing the password crackdown bullshit because yeah. they've plateaued uh already um there's always people going to, that are just going to be like i'm yeah everyone everyone who wants netflix has netflix at this point but for yeah. fortnite that's not necessarily the case it would it's going to slow it's going to get slower but it's not yeah you're always getting more things and like like brian said fortnite's a money printing machine so yeah what is this new what is what is this new course correction that you want to do? Like Fortnite, for the most part, is an ethically created game with very little microtransactions. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of um, not a lot of things that like bog down other games. Of, yeah, of the, the only like. thing that you spend money on a Fortnite is, if, uh, is a costume. You're not making yeah. the game easier. You're just hey, do I want to look like Batman today? Give us a couple bucks, and that's yeah. what Fortnite has been really good at. So many or people like a, have failed. So many, so many video game developments have failed in the search for the Fortnite model, and Fortnite just is coasting. So why ruin that? Why? What are you doing? It's 
part, they're trying to find a problem and they're trying to say that they fix it. They're like, oh, this is a problem. We're going to fix but what it. What I don't understand is what I don't understand is what is the problem that you need to lay off 900 people? That's a lot of people. It is. Uh, yeah. It's a lot. Of, and not only that, it's because there was a, um, okay, the actor who played the sketch artist in Haunted Mansion, what was his name? He's like, he's oh. No. no, I didn't see him. Oh, the guy from The Daily Show. Um, yeah, he used to. Oh, Hassan Minaj. Hassan yes, Minaj. Him. He has. He 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 was. I, he did do a show uh, that was that I want to say it was on Max or Comedy Central or something. But he was also talking about visual effects artists and um, a lot of those artists who also were working in video games. And he brought up Fortnite about how you need artists about how Fortnite could do all these different things, but you need you constantly need programmers. To make sure that um, when to have uh, freaking All Might from My Hero Academia dance to Doja Cat, or you mm -hmm. have Master Chief doing Gangnam Style, you all it's like yes, you have to make sure that the it looks good. It has it has to match a palette or or has to. There's a lot of stuff that you need to do with these artists and laying off 900 people, which I can only assume a lot of those are going to be artists who make that shit possible. And Fortnite is a game that's adding skins all the goddamn time, this is going to shoot here's, itself in the foot. Here's what I'm worried about. I don't think, because Fortnite is their big their big cash cow, I don't know if uh, like a, these 900 people were all from Fortnite. I think it's from other epic, epic you know, uh, managements that mm -hmm. aren't as important as Fortnite is anymore. And they just want to focus on Fortnite, so let's get the redundancies out of the way. Uh, I, I forget his name, but you, thank you for bringing it up. And like the, the, the guy who left the company, he literally, it's one of like the most damning things I've ever read. Like as like a, as a resignation, it's not of we're you know, Oh, I'm leaving amicably, blah, blah. It's like, I don't like the direction this company's going. So I'm leaving. I'm not leaving the games industry, but I'm leaving this company. And that is like horrifying. And the thing he said was like, Epic is trying to turn into like, not just like a, like a, a service, but like a platform. Like they want to mm -hmm. be like, like a Google or like, like Epic, like, Epic is Fortnite. That's all it is. Like I, Epic has. I'm looking at Epic has like its own game store, like Steam or the Xbox Marketplace. But it sucks. Nobody likes the Epic Game Store. Uh, the only people who use it are, are games that are exclusive to Epic, and there are a lot of exclusive Ep Epic games that you can only play on there. Uh, a lot of people play Fortnite through Epic because it is like these. It is their service, right? So like, they're they're writing so hard on Fortnite, and it is a great game. We played. I played it for years. We talk about it nonstop. But like. You don't need to change anything about that game. They just want to make more money. So you lay off people and you raise the price of the V-Bucks, the thing that you buy in game for no real reason. They just, it is the thing of infinite growth, Brandon. Like they, they are the most profitable game in the world and it's still not enough. It's still not enough for them. And I, it's just like, we can't fight that. There's nothing we can do against people who think a billion dollars isn't enough money. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing yeah. we can do against people like that. Uh, it's just, you gotta like, you got to vote when you can. You got to put your money where your mouth is, you know, vote with your wallet, sign petitions. Right. Like you can only do so much. But when the billionaires are in charge, like, yeah, we'll just cut 900 people. Who cares? Like, I don't I mean, think you've ever said anything more, more uh, perfect than how can we fight someone who thinks a billion dollars isn't enough money? Yeah. Like, like that, that is just, a, this is a great encapsulation of just this whole episode. Like that we've been talking about with the strikes, with this, like that is just, you're so right. A billion dollars would fundamentally, like fundamentally changes your brain chemistry. Like it, it if I had even, if I had $10,000, that's life changing. Oh yeah. Dude, I'd be life changing to right now, <laughs> but a billion dollars fall into my lap. I would just be crying with happiness right now. 
a billion dollars is an unfathomable amount of money that I will never see in my life ever. And these people make it a minute and it's not enough. It's it's not enough. And that's, that's ridiculous. This is not the end of what's going to happen. This is the beginning. And that's what scares me the most. This is, this is just going to get worse. I have a, uh, I have a five-year statistic of how much money Fortnite's made. Can you guys guess how much Fortnite has made in five years? Two billion dollars. Uh, no, that's too low. I'm just gonna say years? it. It's twenty-six billion dollars. Holy shit! That's one game. And listen, the the server size, like it is, it is a massive game that holds millions of people. Like the server costs for that size of a game, it's massive. To have a team of that size is massive. Like that's all a lot of money. Twenty-six billion dollars covers it. Mm-hmm. That covers it. Um, yeah, that's this five. one. This one was was ex- extremely rough, and I feel I, like this has been a rough month for the video game industry. Like again, because like the Unity stuff, like so many indie developers were scared they're going to lose their livelihoods because of like, yo, that game that came out and sold millions of copies. Now we're adding a per install rate, so every time someone installs a game, you owe us twenty cents. What happens if your game sold two million copies? That means you owe us two hundred thousand dollars. This is for indie developers who don't have money. This counts for Game Pass. Sea of Stars, man, one of the biggest games right now. It's big because it's on uh, Game Pass. If Because of Unity, when the thing rolls around, every single Game Pass uh, download, 20 cents to the developer, hundreds of thousands of dollars they don't have. It is mm-hmm. like it is really rough out there, and it's like really scary. And like strikes like these need to happen, like, you know, uh, uh, fighting, fighting for everything. Like it, it's like we talked about it, like labor. It's it's an incredibly important topic for the entire world at this moment. No matter what industry you're in, you got to fight for your right. Cult of the Lamb is also one of the games that people were freaked out about, and they even actually made a TikTok. It's like, look, we're not going to delete our game off of the store, but just letting you know, shit's going to hit the fan soon. They did the day that happened. They they reversed, it, but the day that the uh, Unity announced it, they're going very cool, guys. Hope you download uh, Cult of the Lamb before January because we're deleting it because <laughs> we cannot mm-hmm. afford that, and that's a mm-hmm. huge game. That's that we should not live in a world where whether you're a small time uh, writer for a big television show or a small time indie developer, if your thing makes like gangbusters, if it gets a lot of attraction, you should get paid for it. No yeah, matter what you're talking you're in. And you're talking about how Sea of Stars was on Xbox Game Pass. I was able to download Sea of Stars for free because I was a PlayStation Plus subscriber or still am a PlayStation Plus subscriber. Yeah, yeah. And it's on my hard drive ready to go because it's like, hey, I heard about this great game at no at a no extra cost to me. But it's like it's on my thing, and I'm and I cannot wait to play it. I am wanting to play this game because every time I see things about Sea of Stars, I'm like, this game looks absolutely yeah. fan. And the, the incredibly shitty thing, incredibly shitty thing is Ben, in like in 2024, you downloading that game and not playing it costs the developer money. I know, and that makes that that is that is unfathomable to me. That and per you could you could bankrupt a company, dude, if you just installed uninstall a game. If thousands of people did that, that would bankrupt a company. Like that you could mass target a company by doing this, and like Epic or uh, Unity did not know, realize this. No, and they had that's, the biggest shit show. That's like the worst. That's like a worst version of review bombing. That's not it's, even. It's that's like it's, it's the career bombing. It's money bombing. That oh god, I am. Oh, why'd you put that in my brain, Ryan? I am now so afraid of uh, video game developer. Or not. This is the, not this, of, is, this is the thing. This is the thing that we're that we're talking about with the video game strike, uh, with the upcoming video game strike, like. Say animation, VFX, video games, they suffer from a lot of the same problems. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of greedy people who are running, who are like, it's, there's a lot of people who are running these companies that don't like the thing that they're running. There's a lot of people in animation who don't like animation. There's stuff that DreamWorks said didn't put in the news that this week that 
uh, DreamWorks Animation is going to start outsourcing uh, oh. to non to non union uh, develop uh, anim anima animators. Uh, they laid off like a ton of their a ton of their animators. Um, there's so much of this that people aren't protected because there are billionaires who come in and they want their billions and they want to cash out with their Christmas bonuses and their, Hey, I didn't, the company didn't fail this year bonus. And their I, I need a three yacht bonus. And like yeah. where these people get food stamps for bonuses, they get uh, uh, I, a gift certificate to Universal Studios as a bonus. You can't we say pizza party. you can't Ben. Yeah, so. You can't say that your company is making record profits and then say in the same breath, but we don't have enough money to give you a Christmas bonus. So here's a coupon for five percent oh. off on uh, at the food stand. You can't do and that. Epic, Epic is still is still uh, hiring people. Like they like it, it's not like a like oh we're not hiring any people like no they're still hiring for other positions just we had to lay off yeah. those nine hundred people so I'm like oh okay fine uh it's it's incredibly unfortunate because you know like we talk about art and people people want to work on beautiful pieces of art whether it's a game a movie people want to be in the industry because they're passionate about it and what happens is like every everybody who works in the industry gets taken advantage of because the people upstairs know you want to work here. So like you're gonna do whatever you can. You will suffer as much as you can because you want to be a part of this system. Uh, and that's like that's gotta change. You gotta like it's gotta be inviting. Like people want to work there. You gotta make sure like that like it, they're happy to work there. And like again, this whole this whole episode's been about getting to a place where people are happy to be at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about it's all about again. You you are the person they need, not yeah. the other mm -hmm. way around. And. And we need to get back to realizing that the employers are lucky to have you, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. That's and that that if there's a theme to this episode, we have a theme for the first time in six years. There's a theme to an episode. <laughs> you have value. You are the you are the person they need, not the other way around. True believers. All right. Shall we? And don't be a dick. Yeah, don't <laughs> be a dick. We? Is that Shall the reason, we, did you okay? So, Brandon, I know a lot of times when you pick out your shirts to wear, it's just random. Did you actually pick this one for a reason, or no? Was perfectly, it, it was a coincidence. I was going to wear a different shirt, okay. but I lost it. Okay. Um. All right. So that'll do it, guys. That's the whole episode. Um. Thank you guys Love for it. joining us. Um. Hope hopefully we radical we radicalized a few people. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, guys, there's plenty of shows uh, that you can check out if you like us so much. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, if, if SAG After Strike ends this week, maybe we'll be back this coming week. But if not, we'll be back in two weeks, um, as always. Um, so stay tuned. So stay tuned for that. But there's plenty of other shows you can check out uh, on this channel. If, if you like this video, and subscribe to the channel. There's so many things, guys. Uh, my show Conversation is on a brief hiatus for Conversation uh, for uh, October. Sorry. Um, I've recently started. I've worked. I'm working Halloween Horror Nights, and it's taking a lot out of me. Uh, because those hours are 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. And that sucks. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be back in November. Uh, and it's going to be weekly. I'm going to get those. I'm going to like get those out weekly. Not not going to take my time too much there. So stay tuned for some really great conversations in the future. Um, but guys, uh, Fickner's Watch also on hiatus. Uh, but Basement Arcade is not on hiatus. And like I said up top, there's so many Basement Arcades, guys. There's Dead Space, parts one through five. There's Tall Poppy. There's Dark Deception. There's Mortal Kombat. 11 parts five through six which will i think is taking a break for all of october until we get to aftermath yep yep so stay tuned for all that sort of stuff and plenty more spooktobers oh, this is spooktober yeah. guys it's basement arcade spooktober it's a it's, yeah. it's our holiday 
It's our big, big month where we get to where we put Ben in front of a scary game and we scare the poop out of him. Yep. Um, My favorite time of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so stay tuned for more stuff like that. But of course, Fickner Book Club is active. You can check out so much of the archive, guys. There's so much book club we've done for we've done the show for six years. There's a lot of book clubs. Um, and you can check out mo- the most recent one, which is Taskmaster, the Rubicon Trigger, which is Ryan's pick. My pick is next. I still need to pick that. I'm sorry. You got um, time. Animation Station is done with Digimon Adventure Tri uh, Future. That's in the description below. So stay tuned for Last Evolution Kazuna, which is the final Digimon Adventure. What's a Kazuna? I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, okay. Um, I I think it's a Digimon, but I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. Kazuna Mon? Oh, it's not Mon. Ben, what's Mm. Kazuna? I have no idea. I thought that was... It might be be tied to the movie, so don't, don't worry about it. I'll watch it again. Um... The other shows go to go to fickerpodcast.com uh to find all the shows and what they're listed as and what's on hiatus and what's do, what's what all the links are there at fickerpodcast.com you can also find our links to patreon and t public if you'd like to support us financially which are also linked below or you can find all the websites on the website fickerpodcast.com once again oh it's japanese for bond bond last bond. evolution bond Got it. interesting Makes sense um, now. Okay. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. And thank you to everyone who watches the replay. We really appreciate all of your support. Thank you to Jeremy Vellucci, co-host of The Real Score, which is currently on hiatus. We can also find him at Jeremy Vellucci underscore Wreck of Time on Instagram, where he, he, you know, he does all of our music. You know, he does all the music you heard here today and all the music you hear for all of our shows. Um, he also does his show, Suburban, Pro- Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes. Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Once again, thank you to Mike Patola. He does a couple of our logos, collaborated with us uh, many times. We love that man. Uh, you can find him at Mike Patola on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fakner Podcast, FakenerGuys at gmail.com. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter, where you can also find me writing for AtomicGeekdom.com. Ben, where can people find you? Well, they can find me championing the hot labor summer continuously, even though we're technically in, technically in fall, but it's California. It's always going to be freaking hot. At BenMagna27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, go to Tendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark. And also, guys, guess what? The show's what? coming back. It's next week, back. right? Yeah, next week, yeah. Oh, it's wow. Coming back next week, and this past week, we recorded another episode, and ooh, Spice of shit is happening. Oh, I am genuinely excited to, to listen to it again. Cool. Uh, Ryan, where can people find you? You can find me uh, just living on the high seas of Sea of Thieves and murdering fools in games such as Warhammer Vermintide, Warhammer Dark Tide, um, Chivalry 2. I've also been playing Red Dead online. If, if you play any of those games, hit me up because I want to murder with my friends. At DJ Tony Snark. You can also find Sparks at SparksWitty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-R-A-K-Z-Witty. Um, subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice, rate and review. <clears throat> Wherever you get us, we greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys, uh, stay fake, nerds. <laughs>